A brief warning. The following episode contains a story which centers around accusations of sexual assault and may make some listeners uncomfortable. On February 12th of this year, a former associate professor posted an article on the website Medium accusing a colleague of sexual assault occurring back in 2018. Kara Deneur, a former associate professor in the business and entrepreneurship department, accused Sam Weller, an associate professor in the English and creative writing department at Columbia, of sexually assaulting her in his office on March 25th, 2018. In the Medium article, Deneur stated she went to the college's HR department in 2020 to make the allegation. Co-editor-in-chief of The Chronicle, Cameron Cutinello, joins us today to give us updates on the ongoing breaking story. Then, Chronicle News Editor Olivia Cohen joins us to give us the latest updates on what we know so far about the man that was found dead on the rooftop of a Columbia building earlier this week. This week, I interviewed staff reporter Kimberly Capella on her piece, Mattel Celebrates Journalist, Civil Rights Activist Ida B. Wells with New Barbie is More Than a Doll. We discussed the importance of women of color representation within Barbie dolls and children's toys in general. Kimberly also spoke to Ida B. Wells' great-granddaughter about the doll, and we also discussed Columbia community members' reactions to the Barbie doll. I also interviewed Sam Tucker on his first piece with The Chronicle, Chicago Nonprofit Sheds Light on the Positive Impacts of Plants, where he spoke to Get Growing Foundation, a nonprofit group dedicated to extending plant education across Chicago neighborhoods. This is the Chronicle Headlines. There's been some big news on campus this week that has everyone talking. With a special report, we have Cameron Cutinello, co-editor-in-chief of the Chronicle. On February 12th of this year, a former associate professor posted an article on the website Medium accusing a colleague of sexual assault, which she says occurred back in 2018. Kara Dennert, a former associate professor of instruction in the business and entrepreneurship department, accused Sam Weller, an associate professor in the English and creative writing department at Columbia, of sexually assaulting her in his office on March 25, 2018. In the Medium article, Dennert stated she went to the college's HR department in 2020 to make the allegation. As the post spread online, a petition was posted on change.org asking for accountability. As of this taping on Friday, it has garnered more than 3,200 signatures. Soon after accusations appeared online this month, Weller agreed to step away from classes while the college investigates the claims and reviews its prior handling of the matter. On Tuesday, a college spokesperson told The Chronicle that Columbia hired the law firm Mayor Brown to look into the sexual assault allegations reported by Dennert in her Medium post and all related reports or allegations. Is there anything else you can tell us at this point? Well, we have made a number of phone calls for interviews and asked dozens of questions, but we're not getting many answers. It sounds like people are hesitant to talk to you. It is a serious topic with serious accusations, and people do seem a bit hesitant to respond while the investigation is ongoing. If someone knows something about the case or has something to report, what should they do? Complaints can be filed to Human Resources by emailing humanresources at column.edu. Complaints can also be submitted to Columbia's whistleblower hotline through an online report. The link to that is in the Chronicle's article or by calling 844 406-8158. And then if a student experiences sexual harassment or assault on campus beyond the situation, what should they do? That's where Title IX comes in. Students can report what happened to them to most faculty and staff members who are mandatory reporters, so it will trigger an investigation, or they can go directly to the Title IX office. 
Info on that is available on Columbia's website. They can also talk to a confidential advisor who are not required to report it. You can find info on who the confidential advisors at Columbia are on the school's Title IX page on the website. Thanks so much, Cameron. Thank you. On Monday, a body was discovered on the rooftop of a Columbia building. This sent students in a frenzy online, trying to figure out who this person was and how they got there. The Chronicles News Editor, Olivia Cohen, joins us today to give us an update on the story. Thanks for joining us, Olivia. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Where are we currently at with this story? What's the latest? As of now, we're still trying to figure out the details of what happened and are working with Columbia to confirm the identity of the deceased. The Chronicle has obtained the name from the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. However, we're waiting on Columbia and the police department to confirm it. As of two days ago, we were able to confirm with Columbia that the body found does not appear to be connected to Columbia since they are not a student, faculty or staff member, or a contractor the school brought in. I know the Columbia community has a lot of questions about this case, but it's important that the community knows that this person was not directly connected to Columbia. Thanks for clarifying that, Olivia. I think many of us are still wondering how this person was able to access the building, as I know campus's security is usually on top of that. That is a question we're still asking ourselves. Based on what we know now, there's no clear indication of how they got up on the roof of the building. With the reports we are trying to obtain from the police department and the medical examiner's office, hopefully we'll be able to piece together some answers soon. Hopefully we can get those answers soon. Now, Olivia, if students have any information about the incident, who can they contact? If any students or members of the Columbia community has any information on the incident, they should contact the Chicago Police Department and or Columbia's safety and security team. The Police Department's Area 3 Detective Division is investigating the incident and has asked if anyone has any information, they can contact them using the reference ID that can be found on the Chronicle's initial breaking news article. After reporting it to authorities, anyone with information is welcome to submit a tip to the Chronicle. All right. Thanks for the update, Olivia, and thanks so much for being here. Of course. It was my pleasure. This is an ongoing story, and the Chronicle will make sure to continue to update the campus community as new information is released. Thanks again, Olivia. Today, I'm here with reporter Kimberly Capella on her piece, Mattel celebrates journalist, civil rights activist Ida B. Wells with new Barbie, It's More Than a Doll. A new limited edition Barbie doll honors Ida B. Wells and captures her time as an editor at the Memphis Free Speech newspaper, where she exposed the racial injustices faced by black Americans. Kimberly spoke to members of the Columbia community who expressed excitement about the doll and its historical significance, as well as the importance of representation in children's toys. The doll is a part of Barbie's Inspiring Women series, which also includes women such as Rosa Parks, Helen Keller, and Ella Fitzgerald. Welcome back to the show, Kimberly. It's great to have you joining us again. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about Ida. It's very kind of interesting and exciting because the radio station is located on Ida B. Wells Drive. So I just kind of wanted to, for context for listeners, could you go into detail about who Ida B. Wells was? Yeah, so when Ida B. Wells moved to Chicago, she was already a world-renowned anti-lynching, anti-lynching crusader, civil rights activist, women's suffrage suffragist and investigative journalist and early in the movement for women's suffrage she recognized that black women were not taking advantage of their limited voting rights and that the suffrage movement itself was not inclusive and she was later involved with the founding of the national association of colored women's clubs and the naacp and she fought tirelessly for the right of all women to vote despite facing racism and social justice injustices within the suffrage movement 
And then I was wondering, um, in your opinion, what is the importance of women of color representation within Barbie dolls and children's toys as a whole in society? Yeah, so it's important for young children to have accurate, inclusive, and accessible representation of feminist figures and just regular Barbie dolls in general. Um, Barbie has had such a huge impact in children's lives, and it's about time that they released more women of color in their lines. I think it's really necessary for children's toys retailers to not only make diverse Barbies, but have diverse features as well, such as portraying different like skin tones and body shapes. So toys can definitely be a foundation for educational and interactive ideas about race and diversity. And um, they can just like send so many messages to the kids. And when kids of color don't see themselves represented in media and especially toys, they don't feel as valued, I imagine. And they feel like something might be wrong with them. So they start asking themselves like why they weren't there or why they think they need to assimilate into like a white society. So children's toy retailers really just need to make more conscious decisions about like the whitewashing that happens with the dolls and there definitely needs to be more like diverse representation um that reflects the children that play with them yeah I know just like me growing up personally um and just kind of seeing the difference of inclusivity within toys I just think it's a very beautiful thing and children need it and like I have a young nephew and then he can see like action figures and see himself like represented um in the community and I believe that's very important as well um I've had, um, I just in the last like five years started seeing like Barbie dolls that actually aren't like a size zero and they actually have curves like hourglass figures, not a flat stomach. So that was really refreshing to see as well. Yeah. And then what was your experience like speaking to Ida B. Wells' great granddaughter, Michelle Duster? What did she have to say about the doll? Yeah, so Michelle Duster is such a phenomenal woman who like really preserves and carries on Ida B. Wells' legacy and just really honors what she represented in her civil rights, anti-lynching, and suffragist efforts. Uh, Michelle Duster is an author, public historian, and had written books about Ida B. Wells for children and young adults. She Said Mattel honoring Ida B. Wells is exciting and it's a great honor to introduce a new and younger generation to Ida and hopefully it'll inspire them to like learn about who she was and she said that Barbie releasing women of color dolls is an educational and interactive opportunity for children to tap into history let alone black history and she's seen dolls that are black women but they aren't based on historical figures so that adds like an extra layer when the doll is represented in the image of somebody who really did live and had such an amazing historical effect on society. I think that um, is a very interesting point that you make. I agree. Um, I feel like it's kind of another form to educate children, you know, instead of just like, I guess, in the textbook sense, it's like, oh, here's a doll. And then the kid might get more interested and want to learn more about them. So I do think that that is very important that um, Barbie is trying to add that aspect to their like collection of dolls. Uh, when speaking to Columbia members, what were some of their excitements and commentary about the doll? Yeah, so they were really excited to learn about the doll and the Inspiring Women series that Barbie released in general. I think it's really refreshing to see so many beautiful and trailblazing heroines and feminist figures honored and for children to have an amazing educational opportunity to interact with these figures. Um, a lot of students that I interviewed were excited that Barbie is releasing a line that honors like very radical activist leaders of their time, and they also happen to be women of color, which is something they really lacked seeing um, growing up in department stores. The Wells Barbie is available on the Mattel Creation site for $35 and is sold at Select Target and Walmart stores. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me.
Today I'm here with photojournalist Sam Tucker discussing his piece, Chicago Nonprofit Sheds Light on the Positive Impacts of Plants, where he spoke to the president and founder of the Get Growing Foundation, a nonprofit group dedicated to extending plant education across Chicago neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us, Sam. How's it going? It's going good. I know that this is your first published piece with the Chronicle, including the photos. How was that experience working on a story for you? You know, it was definitely uh, stressful at first, you know, but it, it felt really good to get the final product through um, and just to share a story with, uh, you know, Columbia community and, yeah, be a part of the team. And I was wondering, how did you learn about Get Growing Foundation? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to do a story about uh, plants because, you know, as you know, in the Chicago wintertime, there's not much greenery. Like when I'm just walking around, I'm like, man, I, the only green I see are on McDonald's ads, you know, uh, for, the, for the Big Mac. Um, and so I, I wanted to write a story about it. And so I just started researching and I found, you know, this nonprofit foundation. Um, and I originally just wanted to get, you know, their perspectives on like the mental health benefits of plants. But then I started you know, learning more about, um, you know, the full scope of what they're trying to help out with uh, here in Chicago. And in your piece, I know that the founder talked about how there were food deserts, and he also mentioned plant deserts. Could you explain what that is? Yeah, so um, the founder, uh, Tony Abruscato, he explained to me that um, they initially wanted to help out with the issues of you know, food deserts, you know, a lot of these neighborhoods that are experiencing racial equity issues, uh, food deserts are at the top of the list. And so are one of the many important issues. And, um, you know, they realized that there weren't any plant shops or resources or places that people could actually buy, you know, uh, vegetation plants, you know, or herbal plants, things like that, that they couldn't even learn about how to grow or you know, just purchase for their, their homes and gardens. So that's when they realized like, we gotta take this back a step and you know, address that root issue. Um, so yeah, that's how they kind of came to and that's how like plant deserts kind of work into this. Um, and in a lot of these communities too, there's literally you know, a lack of greenery. You know, it is not as, you know, when I'm talking about like South side, Southwest side neighborhoods, um, there's literally a lack of public greenery, whether it's on the sidewalks, the streets, or just public parks. And so that's another side of this issue um, regarding the plant desert. Yeah, I definitely know that to be true. I'm from the south side of Chicago, from the Roseland community, and the lack of greenery, even as simple as grass, is honestly insane. And I know the Get Growing Foundation um, said that they saw their impact in underdeveloped communities and how did they see their impact? They donated 14,000 plants um, to the neighborhoods like North Lawndale, Garfield Park, Pilsen, uh, South Shore uh, neighborhoods. Um, they donated plants, 14,000 of them last year um, and throughout the year, I think more towards the warmer months or at least when there's not, uh, you know, winter storms happening. They tour around in their uh, plant truck and that's something where you can buy plants there and all the funds go to the foundation to fund their other programs uh, like workshops and community outreach programs that, you know, for free, teach people how to grow plants. And this is both, you know, the plants we can get food from um, and also just indoor house plant. Those neighborhoods is where their largest impact lies. Um, but Tony explained to me that, you know, even just going off of Michigan Ave, you know, in the loop here, 
they get a massive turnout when you know they tour around in their plant truck, which is just like a, a food truck only they sell plants. Um, but yeah, their impact definitely lies in those communities and just being a resource to teach people about, you know, hey, you can grow your own food, but also just having plants around your homes can give us, you know, just benefits that we don't really get, especially in the wintertime. And then in what ways can community members involve plant life into their everyday lives? Getting plants, you know, just to have at home on your desk. You know, I work like many college students. I do a lot on my computer. And so I even picked up some plants, you know, after reporting on this story um, and just having around my desk and also visiting places like uh, the Garfield Park Conservatory. I found that to be like a really easy access place because I think it's the green line to the pink line or the other way around, but you can take a train directly to the conservatory. And I mean, that was a really, you know, if you ever feel down and dreaded on, on a colorless Chicago day, I would say the conservatory is a great place to go and visit. Um, but other than that, you know, getting plants at home and something that Tony explained to me and something that I definitely felt um, is that it's kind of, scary at first be like i'm gonna buy this plant i have to take care of for it and you know he explained that plants live and die that's just what they do and for like the price of a cup of coffee you can get you know a small succulent that can last you know three months you know or week to you know three years or whatever it might be um so yeah having something at home and you'd be surprised how cheap plants are and how you know you can walk in and just say give me something that you know <laughs> thrives on neglect, um, and they'll give you something that'll work. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Sam. For sure. I, I was a pleasure to be here. This was the Chronicle Headlines. I'm your host, Nathan Serkin. And I'm Amherst Edwards. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.